This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we didn't expect to have a new podcast so quickly, but the Rays have named one of their new head, new coaches to the staff, and it's at third base where Matt Cutrero should be a familiar name, at least to many, and to me is a familiar face. Q, it's great to have you back in the organization. You were drafted here, you played here, you coached here, and after four years as the assistant hitting coach of the Indians, now you're the Rays' new third base coach, so congrats. Oh, I appreciate it, Neil, and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting started. Tell me how this all came together and, and how much of it was uh, somewhat of a surprise at, uh, that it did happen. Well, it was definitely a surprise. Um, you know, I, when I saw, you know, some of the moves that had been made by Tampa, you know, I've obviously always continued to follow the organization. I know so many people and, and think so highly of so many of the people. I saw a lot of the moves that were being made, you know, and then you immediately see all the the names that are attached to the positions. And so I, I was not considering that that would be, um, that someone would be asking me to be involved in it. But uh, about a week ago, I got a call from Mike Chernoff, the GM of the Indians, who said that the Rays had reached out for permission to see if I was interested. And it kind of went from there. You know, Eric Neander called me and we discussed it a little bit. And I said I would definitely be interested in, following through with it and see where it went. So after some conversations, I came down and uh, interviewed on Friday with Eric and, and Haim and Kevin and uh, kind of went from there and uh, until the point where over the weekend it became clear after talking with my wife and, and family that it was something that I couldn't pass up and was really excited to get into. How much of it was about the comfort level with the Rays, since this is where you started, and how much of it was about the comfort level with Kevin, since you coached together in Cleveland? Well, I mean, both of those things were factors, um, absolutely. Um, it was a very surreal experience, to be honest, to come back to interview with people that you know, knew very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only interview experience I had previously to that was when I was hired for Cleveland, and I did all of that on the phone while I was at the Dominican Academy working for Tampa. So <laughs> I had never actually had a uh, in-person, face-to-face interview, and then to have that with people that you knew so well was definitely an odd, an odd experience for me. But they were super. Um, it was a super comfortable conversation. Um, we exchanged a lot of good ideas. I thought, and I I feel like it was a natural fit to to come back to the organization where I started and and where I really feel like a lot of people there are family. You were an assistant hitting coach the last four years with the Indians, and now you're going to be the third base coach for the Rays. Tell me what the greatest challenges will be in the transition to that and explain some of your other roles that you're going to have this year. Well, the greatest challenges will be that everything will be different you know from i've spent the last four years and all of my prep work has been on opposing pitchers or on our own hitters um 
and now my prep work uh, for coaching third will be largely on opposing outfielders, uh, infielders, arm strengths, uh, range, how they handle um, cuts and relays, those types of things. Um, and as far as some of my other roles, I think I'm going to be involved in the catching, um, and I'm going to be involved with Stan and Kyle in a lot of the prep work, um, game planning for um, the opposing the opposing hitters. So that'll be different, um, as well as the helping in the pitcher catcher relationship and the communication between between the pitching staff and the catching core. Um, so I think. Those are that's kind of it in a nutshell. But you know, I think one of the things that was so attractive about the the job after talking to the guys was that they don't, you know, everybody has a title and everybody has a responsibility. But at the same time, everyone is there to be a baseball coach and to help the players in any way we can, whether that be uh, mentally, physically, um, or you know, getting coaches on the same page players on the same page, you know, we can all help each other in, in many ways. How much is it going to help you coaching third to have Charlie Montoya as the bench coach? Charlie had the benefit of having Tom Foley as the bench coach when he was learning to coach third at the major league level. His experience, at least knowing a lot about the guys, especially in the AL East. Oh, it's immense, uh, immensely helpful. I mean, Charlie, prior to coming to the big leagues, if I'm not mistaken, had 18 years as a mm-hmm. minor league manager coaching third base. And, um, you know, those experiences mold who you are as a big league coach. Um, but I will definitely be leaning on he and Foley for, you know, things that they found helpful in their preparation and, and obviously, you know, the arm strength and different things that they know that were helpful to them in the actual coaching of third base. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about that. And to make it clear for our fans, it's not like coaching third is foreign to you, despite the role you've had with the Indians as the assistant hitting coach. I mean, you you spent four years doing it, managing at the minor league level, where you do that every night. You did it in the Arizona Fall League a couple of years ago, and you spent two years doing so in uh, in winter ball in Venezuela. Yeah, I did. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm, it definitely won't be the first time I've been over there, and it will be the first time in a in a regular season major league game. I've done some spring training games and and the other things that you mentioned. So I think you know I have some experience. Definitely not what Charlie brought to the table, but I'm eager to learn. And I know that uh, with the support I have within the organization, they'll make it as smooth a transition as it can be. Coming from an organization like the Rays, going to Cleveland and coming back, I'm curious. Also, obviously, they're very um, they use analytics a great deal. How much do you think that helps, too, to be comfortable with that? Especially, you know, I'm sure the the, the front office will give you a lot of information, too, that can help. No question. Um, you know, that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn when I went to Cleveland was, you know, when I was a minor league coach, you, you were extremely focused on your guys. You didn't have mm-hmm. as much information on opposing players. We were starting to get into some of that um, at the minor league level, but it's definitely not nearly as extensive or accurate at the minor league level as it is at the big league level. So I've become more and more comfortable, and I'm sure that I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, there's so much information out there, and that was one of the things that, in my role in Cleveland, that was one of the big challenges was deciding 
between Tyve and Berkeley on myself and the front office, what was pertinent and what the guys needed and could use and was helpful rather than just filling their heads with all the information that we had because that at the end of the day the guys still have to go out there and compete. They're not they're not computers and they can't process all that information and still be an athlete. So um I think the familiarity with that stuff will be greatly helpful to me. Um but I think you know we'll be able to dive in more and see what things can help in this role. And, and I would guess, too, knowing uh, all that you know on that end, that you have to almost adapt what you use for different types of players based on what you know they can handle, knowing that each player is different just like their athleticism is different. Yeah, I mean, that's what coaching is, is knowing the individual and trying to reach them, um, meet them somewhere along their journey and along their path that is helpful at that time because things are not static. They change day to day, minute to minute, person to person. So that's, that's what the dynamic of coaching is. And that's what the good coaches are able to do more regularly is reach each individual. Well, Q, we, we are uh, excited for you. Um, excited to have you back in the organization with which you started and look forward to seeing you in, uh, in spring training in Port Charlotte. Neil, thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. All right, we just heard from the new Rays third base coach, and, and now let's talk with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who had already indicated prior to all this happening that changes were afoot on the on the staff. And you kind of nailed it, uh, Mark, in the fact that you said that Rocco Baldelli was going to be doing something potentially different other than uh, first base coach, and that actually with this move comes out to be uh, what's going to occur. Yeah, every once in a while we, we get it right, Neil, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what he's going to be doing, and I, I don't think even when we talked to Kevin Cash on Tuesday that he was you know, fully versed in, in what the exact title would be called, but I think a couple of things really stuck out to me in these moves that they've made, and, and granted, there's still one higher to, to, still to come, but they really want a coalescing of uh, opinions and thoughts on the staff. I mean, I think Kevin Cash made a point of saying, you know, they don't want guys that just stick in their own discipline. They want guys to share. I think by hiring Matt Cotuaro for third base, who's got an extensive background both as a catcher and as an assistant hitting coach at the big league level for four years with a very successful organization, they really will bring a lot in, in having him aboard. You know, the change with Rocco Baldelli, as you alluded to, I mean, he was going to come off of first base. He sounds like he's going to be a little bit more of a liaison with the front office, maybe both at the major league information level, at the minor league, um, incorporating the new players into the flow thing. But what's he going to be doing games? He's still going to be in charge of coaching the outfield. He's going to be in the dugout now and not at first base. You know, there's still some duties to be shared here. But it was interesting, too, hearing Kevin Cash talk about you know Matt Cotrero as the third base coach, but also the catching coach will be involved in some of the game planning as far as with Kyle Snyder, the new pitching coach. And part of that's because as a new pitching coach, they want Kyle Snyder, it sounds like, not to be you know, overburdened with too much and be able to spread his knowledge and his time around, too. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think this is a staff that's going to have to grow a little bit over the course of conversations during the winter and probably when they get to Port Charlotte and then kind of figure out exactly, you know, how the boundaries are going to be drawn. But it sounds like an interesting mix. And then, like you alluded to, Matt Cortrero is a guy who has a great reputation throughout the game and has been a success at just about everything he's done. No doubt about that. And, you know, he comes with familiarity to the race and familiarity to Kevin, too. So, they went outside, but they didn't certainly go outside the comfort zone of Kevin in terms of he's getting someone that he knows that he's comfortable with. Yeah, and that's another side, too, I think, of this staff and, and you know, for, for some of the moves that they made earlier, you know, being molded more towards, you know, 
Kevin Cash's guys, quote unquote. You know, he inherited a full staff when he took over, which is a little bit unusual. You know, most coaches get to bring a couple guys in with them. I mean, people either were appointed to fill the spots that were open or he inherited the coaches that Joe Madden had. So this way, you know, he had Chad Matola, who he hired at the end of last season. Now he has Kyle Snyder, who he's familiar with, Matt Kitraro, who he's familiar with. He was more comfortable moving Charlie Montoya into the dugout to be his bench coach. So, you know, I think some of these moves are being made. Obviously they're being made because the Rays overall feel they're going to make them better and win more games and help them as an organization. But I think they're also being made to uh, accommodate the way Kevin Cash wants to set up. No doubt. I mean, Kyle Snyder is a guy he has played with. Uh, Chad Matola was someone he played with. Uh, Q was someone he coached with. So, I mean, there's a familiarity level and a comfort level with all of those, and I don't know if we can necessarily say that the the last coach on the staff that's added is going to fit in that category, but I, I was certainly it's going to be someone that he feels comfortable with and is going to add to the staff. I would think so, and, and you know, sometimes it's good to bring in people from other organizations that have different ideas, too. I know one name that I've floated in the Tampa Bay Times you know, throughout this process has been Ozzie Simmons, mm-hmm. who has been the AAA hitting coach most recently for the Rays and has a great education, a local kid here, played in the Rays organization as well besides coaching, and it would be a possibility, but there's also been a lot of turnover just in the last week, you think about how many coaches, you know, not from the end of the season, but just literally in the last week have become available as the Nationals unexpectedly made their managerial change, as the Red Sox did. We saw the Cubs let some coaches go. So there's going to be some more names out there, and that pool's probably a little bit deeper now. And, you know, most teams don't make announcements during the World Series, and, and Cash alludes to the fact they're going to be doing interviews this week. So I think in the next week to 10 days we'll have a better idea who that last coach is going to be. So even though the, the World Series starts on this Tuesday night as we speak on this uh, Tuesday afternoon, we do expect we we probably didn't expect that this was going to be announced before the World Series, but now it looks like we are going to enter that official quiet period. Yeah, and it doesn't mean it doesn't won't leak out, and, and part of that will come from whom they interview, and if there's some external candidates, and, and you know that may have been what led to the announcement on Tuesday morning was that they knew the Indians were going to have to speak to the fact that they've lost several members of their staff now, and it was going to come out that way. But sometimes it's driven in different directions. But I, I think you know the fact that the staff is pretty much put together now for Kevin Cash, the one addition to be made. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of time to talk about how they want to do things, and they'll be interested to see obviously how it works. Ultimately, you know, you know, this time next year or you know, end of September next year, we'll ultimately know how it works. No doubt, uh, and, and more so. I mean, and I think this is stuff that you're going to get into. And you wrote a really good piece over the weekend. It comes down to also figuring out your roster, which I think is the greatest challenge going forward. Absolutely, and then you know, not to diminish you know, Matt Petrero or Kyle Snyder, any of those guys, but they're not going to win a game. I mean, they're going to help and they're going to provide information and strategic suggestions and things like that, but they're not going to win any games. The way the Rays are going to win games is to find a way to score more runs, to find a way to improve their run differential, to get their pitching staff a little better, to resurrect their bullpen close to what it was toward the end of the season when they had some of those veteran guys. There's eight free agents, uh, nine if you count Colby Rasmus, but you know, kind of off the radar. There's 13 players eligible for arbitration. They're not all going to be back if you count Sean Tollison, who probably won't mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to this roster. I mean, I think you could concede conceivably see three or four guys who were pretty much everyday type players for the Rays or key members of the rotation all traded this offseason. You know, and I've speculated on some of them in the times. I mean, I think Corey Dickerson's in that conversation. I think Brad Miller's in that conversation. I think Jake Odorizzi is probably the most likely guy to be traded. I think there's some other moves the Rays have to consider. I mean, who's going to play on the right side of the infield? Both their first basemen were uh, free agents. So there's a lot to still come this offseason, no doubt. Well, enjoy the World Series in the meantime. I know you're going to have a busy offseason, as will we. And thanks for coming on on the podcast. 
Anytime, Neil. You you know it's always the highlight of my week. That is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, and always a clever wit to end our conversations. We certainly didn't anticipate two podcasts in as many days, so uh, we expect our next one will come after the World Series. Should anything develop, yep, we'll be around. We'll have something for you. But in the meantime, enjoy the baseball. We will talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.